Hello and welcome to the More to Life podcast. My name is Elle Mace and today I am joined by the wonderful Katie Brindle. Now Katie is a Chinese medicine practitioner but she is also known by Hello Magazine as the healer to the stars and by Forbes the self-care expert that you need to know. Hi Katie. Hello Elle, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you today? I am really well, very excited to be here and talking to you. Amazing. So I've just given a little like title for, for of you know what you do, but could you just explain to the listeners a bit more about you, who you are, what you do, what does it mean to be a Chinese medicine practitioner? Yeah, and healer to the stars. Okay, so what stars. am I? <laughs> Funnily enough, it's a really good question because when people ask me what I do, um, I always actually find that quite a hard question to answer because um, what I do is. Um, quite unusual. So it requires a bit of explanation for it to make sense. So in the first instance, I'll answer that question and say, well, I'm a Chinese doctor. Okay. And everyone goes, oh, because they have a preconception as to what that means, because people always think that Chinese medicine is acupuncture and herbs. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, but it's also a load of other things as well, which people don't really know about. And during my course um, and my career, sort of as a therapist, as a healer, as a intuitive, as a um, um, and as a mother, and just living the, the course of my life all the way to fifty one, which is where I am now, um, I took the direction as a Chinese medicine practitioner into something deeper than acupuncture and herbs, and started focusing more on what's called Yang Sheng. And Yang Sheng is a Chinese aspect of medicine, which means nurture life. So it's a kind of bit like Feng Shui, um, yeah. which people have heard of, but it's the bit which would make sense if I said I was a Feng Shui expert. Go, oh, I've heard of Feng Shui, but no one's heard of Yang. Sheng, so you have to then explain it. So Yang Sheng means nurture life. So basically, it's the self-care aspect of Chinese medicine. So basically, I'm a self-care expert. Now, then the next thing that people don't know is that Chinese medicine has got this incredibly profound and sophisticated aspect of self-care, which is a bit like kind of French cuisine. Okay, I mean, it is unbelievably comprehensive. It's like this gift to the world that we didn't really know that was there. And yet it has the most amazing ability to heal, to improve, to soothe, to help and actually gives you the meaning of life sort of it can help your pain it can deal with the here and now and it can actually help you all the way through to the meaning of existence and what you're here for and soul purpose so it means that I become quite kind of broad and deep in terms of what my skill offering is because then I sort of turn into a sort of everything person which people then don't quite believe because they're like we can't do everything he's like well I kind of do um because if you and then I translated the whole thing into an online model so rather than you coming to see me in my acupuncture clinic and I'd stick needles in you and prescribe some herbs and off you'd go and you come back a week later the whole clinic now is virtual it's based off social media I've converted the whole content group into kind of bite-sized bits of content that then funnel into an online clinic and masterclasses and all this other stuff so it takes about five minutes as it just has to kind of give everyone the sort of okay so basically what I am is a self-care expert with a whole load of stuff that will help you and it doesn't really matter if you've got psoriasis or fear of um fear of going to sleep or you're thinking about the meaning of life kind of any of these things I can help you with and hopefully make you feel better Oh, yeah. And I bet you've seen everything, haven't you? Oh, God. Well, yes, because funnily enough, um, I was talking to these podcast people last week and I said to them, the thing is, when you come from Chinese medicine, you can't sort of sit there because when people come to your clinic, you don't know what they're coming in with. It's a bit like being a GP. You don't know, you know, you're sitting in your GP's office. You don't know what they're coming in with because they just have an appointment. They come in, they go, I've got a frozen shoulder or I'm trying to get pregnant or I've got repeated headaches or whatever it is. And you can't sit there and go, oh, sorry, I don't do frozen shoulders because your patient would be really upset. So you have to kind of know everything. 
you, you don't have to be a know-it-all, but you have to have a broad understanding um, of how the body works and a very sophisticated understanding in order to help people, um, which is, I think, what I love most about Chinese medicine. Um, working in this arena gives me the opportunity to spend time with the patients, which is a blessing. You know, in, normally in the NHS clinics, you get about 10 minutes. I mean, I get two hours. I mean, I don't know. How, I think Western doctors are astonishing in terms of how they can get through a diagnosis so fast. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it takes, for me, it takes time to get right under the root of what the problem is and to sort it all out. Um, but it's a wonderful moment to be practicing Chinese medicine, I think, as medical traditions are now starting to integrate. Mm, yeah, amazing. So like, how, I was going to say, how did you get into this? But if you just rewind and take us all the way back to kind of like, what was your childhood like? What were you like as a you know younger person? And then, yeah, how did you, how did this, this path even happen for you? Mm, well, I think um, like most people, funny enough, you and I were talking beforehand about the whole concept of more to life. And you were saying yeah. lots of people kind of have that aha moment where they go, hang on a minute, there's just more to life than this. This is just yeah. not it. Um, and that was definitely me. And I think also being in clinic, I have learned from all the work that I've done is that most people get to where they're supposed to get through pain. And that's mm -hmm. a shame because you can get there from love. Uh, but we're living in a society right now. We're not quite there yet. We're not we're, we're starting to happen. But really, as mo most 20th century born people who are listening to this, slightly, slightly, the millennial, it's, it, it's shifting in this century. But if you're born in the 20th century, most of the time you get to where you're supposed to do through the pain narrative. And that was certainly with me. So my childhood, without sort of going too, too much into it, was I would describe myself as the runt of the litter. Um, I had severe dyslexia, dyspraxia, dysgraphia, none of which got diagnosed in the, in the 1970s. I had a very heavy earth energy, which no one would understand, which gave me a bit of a sort of overeating disorder. So I was a child that was never full. Um, so I was therefore a bit heavy. I wasn't very good at sports, so I never got picked. So I was kind of like, it was always a bit, I was a bit quite disadvantaged, to be honest. Within a sort of system of middle-class normality, I was in a bit of sort of disadvantaged end of the spectrum. I got picked last at sport. Nothing quite worked. I got sick all the time. The, the Western diet didn't agree with me. The Western education system didn't agree with me. I was lost. I was, I was a lost soul. Um, and the one thing that saved me was that I had a singing voice. So um, it was like a sort of lifeline for me. So I, this singing voice sort of became the thing that I did because I couldn't really do anything else. So I did that and I was good at it. So I was quite lucky in that respect that I had no distractions because everything else was dreadful and I had this one thing. So I went for the one thing, which then defined my youth into therefore thinking, well, I'm going to become an opera singer because like, like I have no other options, okay. Um, so off I was going to go to music college to study um, opera at sort of advanced level and then had this car accident. And that was the end of that. So the car accident gave me horrendous whiplash injury. It's a really bad accident. It's a really bad whiplash injury. And I lost the ability to sit up, to speak. I certainly couldn't sing. I couldn't even stand up. I mean, my life literally crashed at that moment and I was debilitated with pain. I couldn't work. I lost my vocation. I was in nonstop agony. My life was just literally just like over. Um, yeah. And I had a roof over my head. I mean, you know, I had to live at home obviously, but I couldn't earn money, which meant I couldn't pay for anything. So I'd gone to the GP, which is the free healthcare system to try and sort myself out and it didn't work. Now, slowly but surely, like most people who are sick, 
either the Western system works, in which case you're fine. If the Western system doesn't work, you either end up in this kind of smorgasbord of alternative health, and then maybe, maybe not, you're going to get to the right person. It's a bit of a muddle. Um, or you just learn to live with it and you kind of get on with it, which is what I did. So I was kind of muddling through my 20s, living a kind of non-life. I'd gone into marketing at this point. I was quite good at it, actually, but I didn't like it. I knew I was dyslexic at this point. Um, so I'd kind of started to come to terms with how my brain processed information. Remember, this is like the turn of the 20th century. Entry. This isn't like now where all this stuff's readily available. Um, and one day, having I was now miserable in my career, I'd sort of again, my life was starting to crash again. It, it, it crashed acutely with the accident, but now it was crashing chronically. It was like a drip feed of of gravy train of misery of sort of like not enjoying my, nothing was working in my life I was all right it, was, it looked good on paper but it just I wasn't living I was kind of living someone else's life um and then one day had this amazing moment where I was in agony with my neck again um having gone round the houses trying to sort it out and I was walking past a TCM clinic where I had this advert in the window that said 10 minutes of massage for 10 quid and I had money in my pocket at this stage, not much, but you know, I had a tenner um, and I was in so much pain. I went in because I thought, you know, I don't actually care what they do. I just, I don't care if they actually cut my shoulder off at this point because I'm in so much pain. It's like, do something. And it so happened that the Chinese doctor in there was like a real, because it is a bit hit and miss with some of these places. But in this particular instance, he was an amazing um, Chinese doctor from Beijing. And he was, in, he was just incredible. And he did gua sha. Uh, body gua sha on my shoulder and it solved it it cured this oh my god got goosebumps just telling you about it i mean this was now about eight years of suffering that went in 10 minutes and i cried and cried i had my head in one of those things you know when you've got your head forward in a massage thing he's like going on my back um and i it was like the pain was kind of i was sobbing in grateful pain in frustration in relief release kind of epiphany and I walked out of there a changed woman and I just thought right I want to do this this is what I'm gonna do for a living and I literally literally walked out of that clinic 10 minutes later and I jacked in my whole life my boyfriend my social group my job my everything and I registered to qualify um, and to train with Claire Maxwell Hudson who's an amazing massage therapist so I qualified with her at her Institute of Massage Therapy, kept in close contact with this Chinese doctor and started to kind of regroup my life as a therapist. And that was, I was 28 when that happened and I have never looked back. Wow. Oh my gosh. That moment when you walked out of that, you know, that having had that treatment and you were like, that was incredible. I now know exactly like what I want to be doing because I don't know. For, for me, I had something similar. Like I tried everything through the GP with my eating disorders. Nothing was working. I then took this uh, alternative approach and I was like, wow, everyone needs to know. Everyone who's suffering with an eating disorder needs to know that this is kind of like a route that you should go down. And that was, again, a bit like you. And you said it, it really reminded me of like, everyone needs to know this. So did you have that feeling of like, I need to share this with the world because anyone else who's suffering with this kind of pain or whatever else it might be, this is an option for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anyone that sort of knows me or knows of me, I am absolutely adamant about my life's purpose. Having been in the wilderness, as I call it, for 28 years, wondering what on earth was going on. I mean, I was so lost. And then it was like lost and found. I was found. And the light just shone down. And that was it. The whole meaning of my life. It's like a switch just went on. And all I want to do 
Um, and funnily enough, again, I was talking to these podcast people last week. It's exactly what I said to them. If I don't do this, don't get me wrong. Love my family, love my kids. Da, da, da. Yes, yes, yes. But as far as me, the individual woman is concerned, not the mother, not the wife, but Katie, the, Katie, the individual, this is my life's purpose. This is all I want to do. If you take this away, my life just, I, I can't live without this. I'm so connected to it that without it, that there's no there's no meaning to my life. If I don't get up and try and help people with this amazing information, which I know to be true, it is ancient. It has served billions of people for thousands of years. And all that's happened is somehow or other in the midst of time, we've somehow lost our connection to it. And the world needs this so much. People are suffering so much, just like I was. The level of suffering out there is unprecedented and unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm somebody that is really interested in therapies and tools and techniques, and I've tried a whole range of stuff. One thing I haven't tried is Chinese medicine. And mm. I'm questioning myself now as to what, what, why haven't I? And I think I haven't because A, I haven't known enough about it, which mm. I'm sure most of the listeners who are also feeling the same. But also, would it be right to say there is a bit of a kind of, um, it's, people could be quite sceptical of it. Mm. Well, it's interesting. There's a few reasons why people don't know anything about it. Okay. And that, by the way, is changing very fast right yeah. now. So like, you know, if I was talking to you five years ago, the landscape would have looked very different. Things are catching up fast. But as a general rule, there's a few reasons why. First of all, China had this kind of closed policy. So when kind of the European empires were kind of going here, there and everywhere, um, and therefore, for example, so for example, India was part of the was part of the British Empire. Okay, now I'm I'm not proud of that fact, by the way. That's I mean, it's, it's, it's like the whole British Empire is just horrendous. But anyway, it was okay. Fact historically, it was so. Consequently, Indian culture has become part of the narrative within British history. Yeah. It, we were open to it. British people were going over there, living there, you know, some of them better than others, but, you know, some enlightened people would have been listening and learning from the gurus and the sages and go, wow, this is really interesting. So in came yoga, in came Ayurveda, in came herbs and spices because we had quite a lot of immigration. So therefore in came food and in came cultural references and enlightened people in this country, unenlightened people didn't didn't accept it, but enlightened people sure, sure did. And now you go to Sainsbury's and there's all sorts of interesting things there. You can go and buy all sorts of good stuff and you have been all my lifetime you've been able I mean I remember as a little girl watching like Indian cookery programs on TV for example there weren't Chinese ones there's definitely Indian ones because it was part of the narrative of, of the history of, of, of Great Britain um, China on the other hand didn't have that they mm. had a closed foreign policy they basically closed themselves down and consequently yes the the you know the, the European forces were kind of nibbling at the uh, they were nibbling away at the ports and things. There was a level of, of, of immigration, but not really. And it was kind of shrouded in mystery as a result. And it didn't really start opening up until a lot later on. You know, even in the 1970s, I mean, China only started to open up in my lifetime. So consequently, the medical traditions didn't really come into the Western narrative, not really until the 1970s. And the traditions that did come through earlier than that were slightly different from the full extent of what was available, partly because of the history of China. Now, I'm not gonna over paraphrase something unbelievably sophisticated and complicated, but basically the Cultural Revolution shut down a huge amount of the sophisticated, what we would call shamanic aspects of Chinese esoteric and Chinese medicine. Um, and the whole lot got shut down. And then what happened was chairman, this is slightly oversimplified just for any any sort of like listener, but just it's gen generally, otherwise we'll be yeah. here all day. 
But basically, Chairman Mao basically reinstated Chinese medicine as a national treasure in the early 1950s. But China was in a massive revolution at that moment in time, and they had huge great health crises that they were dealing with, and they were eliminating the whole bourgeois kind of ecosystem that had kind of clogged up the country up for, you know, for thousands of years beforehand. So all of the psycho-spiritual aspect of things, that just got cut out. And TCM was created. And the problem with TCM is the word traditional is really misleading because the word traditional means it's old. It's not. It was created in the 1950s and it was created to modernize an ancient medical tradition influenced by Western medicine. So what then came over to Europe was a very different version of, of things. Still amazing. TCM is brilliant. Okay, It shows the power of this medical tradition that you can cut and paste it and recreate it and it still works, yeah. but it doesn't bring everything to the table. And the five element stuff and the, the ancient Chinese medicine stuff um, was really only starting to come through in the 1970s, 1980s. And it's only starting to kind of gain traction kind of now, which yeah. is what makes it really interesting as a subject because it's like, well, hang on a minute, this is something new. No one really knows much about this. The people are out there talking about it, but not many. It's yeah. quite new and it's so beautiful. Oh my God, it's like poetry and art and calligraphy and design and observation of nature. And it's so sensitive and subtle and beautiful. And it's absolutely, it's magical. I mean, it's magical. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And everyone needs to know about it. And the fact that you don't means it's like, it's like watching one of the most amazing films that you've watched over and over again, and you introduce it to a person and you go, oh, I'm kind of jealous that you're going to get your first experience of Gladiator because you've never seen it before. And I've seen it like a thousand times or the Devil Wears Prada. You won't get that first experience. Yeah. It's brilliant. Oh, I love that. I mean, I'm I'm all I'm all on board of it. I'm literally like, just give me a second in my life to to get into it and to, to to do something. So let's just say I wanted to now think, right? Okay, I want to go and, and do some Chinese medicine. I actually <laughs> I don't know that's that's what you I'm going to do some Chinese medicine. Okay, <laughs> go and do it right <laughs> now. I'm going to light a candle. Off we go. But I've so I've had acupuncture, and again, there's loads of listeners listening, thinking, well, I don't know, I haven't done anything before. So that acupuncture. What else is Chinese medicine? Like, how could somebody in their home, or like, you know, if they don't, they can't book a session somewhere, what could they do for Chinese medicine? Okay, so, like, so the great thing about what I preach about is, and I go back to being this kind of, like, you know, the everything person that I was saying at the beginning, is it's vast. I mean, breath is Chinese medicine. Feng shui is Chinese medicine. I mean, let me give you, like, a really, really, really simple feng shui tip that's going to blow your mind. Okay, yeah. so... Anyone out there wanting to improve their finances? What, me? <laughs> okay, there we go. Form an orderly queue, ladies and gentlemen. Did you, did you know that by making sure that all your taps were turned off correctly improves your finances? <laughs> I know. I so, my house. I know. So if you've got a dripping tap somewhere in your house, that is like a leak on your finances. Why? Because water is money flow. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And another absolute no brainer tip is because many of us are working from home. Okay. Many people work from home now. And even if you don't, it doesn't matter. But having a tidy desk is really important for productivity. Yeah. Okay. So therefore, yeah. if you've got clutter all over your desk, she says, looking slightly nervously at her own desk, yeah. going, okay, I've got some crap on my desk, which is a bit embarrassing because listen to me preaching, uh, do as I say, not as I do, folks. But no, I will tidy my desk in a minute. But a messy desk disrupts productivity of energy flow, which 
which disrupts the productivity of turning your work into finances. So just having a clear desk, that mm. is Chinese medicine. Now then, okay, you go, yeah, but Katie, you talk about Feng Shui, that's your home. Yeah, all right, let's talk about your body. Okay, so moving the energy flow in your body is Chinese medicine. So before you start forking out 50 quid to have acupuncture, just don't worry about that for a minute. Let's do the free okay. stuff. Just standing up from your desk and shaking okay. for a minute is going to improve the body. Why? Because in Ch because Chinese medicine understands like the root of how the body works, which is what we all need to understand. And we need to understand our bodies. For goodness sake, your body is health, is, is everything. Without your health, you're dead. So then there's no meaning to anything because you're not even going to be here. So therefore you can't possibly sit here and say to me that there's anything more important in your life than your own health. So moving the circulation around the body is the fundamental cornerstone of good health. So making sure when you're sedentary at your desk or sedentary, you're in public transport, at the wheel of your car, not moving around, you've just got to stand up and shake the body. Okay, that is a basic thing. There is also then, if you want to take it a bit further, obviously on my social media, I put up reams of stuff, especially on TikTok. There's stuff going up there every day of really interesting, did you know, did you know, did you know? And the chances are you won't know because that's my job to tell you stuff you don't know because that's what I specialize in. I'm yeah. not a me too person. I'm not going to tell you stuff you do know. I'm going to if you don't know, that's going to blow your mind. Um, that's Chinese medicine. Before we, I haven't started waving my needles at you, that I haven't started with that yet, or start asked you to pay 20 quid for a load of herbs. No, let's start with the breath. Let's start with the circulation. Let's start with your thought processes. Yeah, wow. Okay, so actually it's really, really vast. Yeah. And so much of it is can be free. You've just, and also I'm guessing, do you just kind of have to like let go of like any judgment here? Like I'm guessing some people are kind of like quite stiff thinking, all right, I'm going to try and shake my body, but this is a bit embarrassing. Am I doing it right? It's going to be loads of like self-doubt there. But is it just about let go and just move? I think the key thing is start where you're comfortable, like anything. I mean, the last thing I'm going to do is encourage somebody to feel stupid. I mean, like, I look stupid most of the time because I'm on camera, like, and I don't care. I mean, that's the interesting thing. I, I've been liberated by this. I, it's really funny. I don't know if it's because I've got older or whether it's because I've had kids or whether because I had IVF, I've had a lot of people look at my vagina. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, who knows? But there's this kind of fuck it thing, excuse me, swearing on a podcast, but there was this fuck it moment where you just think, Do you know, I literally don't care. I yeah. don't care what I look like on camera. I don't care. I like looking pretty and I'll put makeup on, but I equally will go live all the time looking like I've just rocked out of bed. And I have because two of my two of my three lives a week are eight in the morning. And I can assure you there are many, many times when I've just it's two minutes to eight. And I'm like, oh, God. And I'm literally like, like dragging myself out of bed, like chucking on my stuff and going straight onto camera. And I'm a 51 year old woman. So, you know, it takes a little bit of work to put yourself together in the morning at this age. But I don't because I don't care. Um, so if you do care, though, you start where you wish to be. I mean, the question to ask yourself is, would you like to feel better? And if yeah. the answer is yes, then all right. Well, then what I normally suggest to people is start with your breath, because if you don't breathe, you're going to die. So you're breathing anyway. So there's a good place to start. And that's normally what we start with. Okay. So breath work to start with. And then what would you suggest afterwards? Moving. Moving. And then that's that's pretty much just like shaking the body. Now, I, I actually, I don't know if you remember, but I met you at Verve. Oh yeah. yes, I met you at Bird Festival. So I was doing a talk after you, mm. and something you did there was the laughing. Yeah, so that's that's obviously something as well that can help people. Now, well, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Because we like there's me sitting here saying, "Oh yes, I'm going to tell you the stuff you don't know," and then I'll talk in cliches at the same time. So you know, laughter is the best medicine. Yeah, 
It is. It's scientifically proven. This isn't me just like wanging on about some weird ancient thing that everyone has to just take a leap of faith. It's scientifically true. Laughter improves, you know, serotonin, dopamine. I mean, it's got all of these functions that it does. Laughter improves the immune system for 24 hours. It does. And you just have to do it and you'll see you feel better when you do it. Laughter is a brilliant medicine for the body and it overrides all of the negative narrative, as I like to call it. You know, if you can laugh at yourself and you just laugh for a minute, you are going to feel so much better. It kind of amps you up and it makes you feel so much more able to cope. Now, interestingly with laughter is because we do it every class. So when I do the free class on Instagram, which is Tuesdays and Thursdays at eight, um, we laugh for a minute every time. So Catherine, my wonderful right-hand woman, gives us a ridiculously stupid joke. And I swear she's compiling a Christmas joke book because they're so bad, but they're so funny. Um, and sometimes I don't get them, which is even funnier because I'm like, what? And then everyone's laughing because I'm like, oh, I get it now. Um, and we all laugh for a minute. And um, you feel absolutely brilliant, but some people can't do it. Some people are so ill, they can't laugh for a minute. But what they do normally find themselves being able to do is to cry. And oh, that's yeah. the place to start. You release the negative energy first before you can get the circulating positive energy. It's a bit like taking Epsom salts for the bowel. I mean, some people, even after a dose of salts, don't get a bowel movement because they're so constipated. They yeah. need to do it the next day as well. And that's the same thing with laughter. Some people are so constipated with the negative narrative that they can't laugh. And I've been there. I've been brokenhearted. I know what that feels like. I couldn't laugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Those moments when you are brokenhearted, laughing is not easy. And with no. the laughing, like, I think for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's not kind of like, you know, when you laugh with your friends, for example, it's not, it's, you've got to kind of put it on, haven't you? And then just kind of like keep going and keep going until it actually becomes funny. But I remember when I did it with you for, you know, a few seconds or even like 30 seconds, it's a bit like, oh, my God. And then you just start to laugh at the fact that what you're doing, this feels like so crazy. Well, that's what's lovely about it. And I think the thing that I love so much about what, what my work is, which is why it took about five minutes to describe it, because it's kind of not really like anything else. So yeah. I can't sit here and go, yeah, and I'm an acupuncturist and I specialize in fertility and I've come up with this, I don't know, self-care thing just for that, which is quite, it's quite quick to explain. Okay, no disrespect to anyone that's done that because it's just easy to explain. My narrative is quite expansive. So I think the key thing to say is that you'll find yourself just going outside of your comfort zone in many different ways. And yet that's where the healing takes place. It's like when you do an exercise, if like you do yoga, for example, the teacher will often say, it's that full expression of the pose that's where the shift takes place, not within the comfort zone, within that extra stretch. That's why you stretch the body. That's why you put yourself into a pose because it opens something up and it releases something. It takes you into, a, into an altered state, into, a, into an, expanded, in, in, an expanded state. Yeah. So just re go back then. You, you obviously had this experience. You're like, right, I'm going to retrain. You did your massage. You kept in, in touch with the, the, the doctor that helped you. And then what, what happened from there then? You just started your own practice or was it, was it a bit more up and down? Um, no, well, interesting. Okay, so in, thank you for the question. It was interesting. So life as always tends to go in ebbs and flows and ups and downs because that is what li life is here to teach us lessons. We're in earth school. So life isn't supposed to be fair or easy. There is the odd person in life that gets an easy life. So if anyone's out there thinking, oh, yeah, my sister's got a really easy life. Ooh. Right. If you if you know anyone that's got, got an easy life, it's normally because their previous life was utterly horrendous and they're being given an easy life to just remind them that it can be sweet. 
So they're being given a they're given they're given like a free pass life to come back in and then dump back through the ups and downs that the rest of us are dealing with. So we learn through this stuff. So in my instance, I'd gone through a 28 year wilderness period of lost soul where I was just like, what on earth is this all about? And it was just horrendous. And then I mean, there's nice bits, obviously, but you know, in the main, looking at those 28 years, I was like, what the hell was that all about? Because I didn't have this. This wasn't there and therefore I suffered because I love this. So then suddenly the light went on and I found this. I was like, wee. So at this point, I, I had a big job in marketing. I was actually relatively successful, despite the fact I wasn't that interested in it. I was actually kind of quite good, um, which is quite ironic because I hadn't actually been good at anything other than singing up until that point. But I my heart was not in it. So um, I consequently had quite a lot of financial responsibilities at this moment in time. I had a mortgage and mortgage rates in those days were a lot higher than they are now. So this mortgage was quite high um, and I had a car and, you know, my outgoings, but you know, it wasn't extravagant, but you know, I had responsibilities. My dad was going mental. He was going, what are you doing? I was like, I'm not going to bail you out. I was like, I'm not asking you to, but nonetheless, yeah. it's quite scary, except it wasn't. Cause I thought I just took a leap of faith because I thought I actually can't do this. I can't live this life anymore. It's killing me. So I'm not going to do it. So I kind of jacked it all in. And so what what I thought was I did think sensibly nonetheless, which is like, look, I've got to keep this roof over my head. I've got to keep this money coming in. So um, I requalified whilst I was still working. So I kept the day job. It really killed me. I mean, literally, this is why I jacked in my boyfriend and my friends and everything. I, mean, I didn't jack in my friends, but I jacked in my yeah. social life because I had to work. I had to work the weekends studying and then all week long keeping a roof over my head. So I'd like, I was work, 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 work for about nine months. And um, that was massage therapy. That's all I did because I took a commercial decision thinking, well, I wanna be a therapist, but I've got to start with something that I know is commercially viable. People like massage. I live yeah. in London. There are 13 million people. I need to find about 20 people a week to get my hands on. That sounds like likely yeah. I should be able to do that. So, and I did. And the then luck came in. Then I got a piece of luck. I got made redundant. Thank you, God. Oh, and God. that was just my moment because just as I got made redundant, I'd qualified. Oh my God, the synchronicity was yeah. like, thank yeah. you, God. Oh my God. Yeah. So consequently, I had enough redundancy to eke out all of my, my kind of professional responsibilities whilst building up my business. So I set out a really simple business plan and I just just launched myself out there as a masseuse. Not nothing to do with Chinese medicine. Nothing to. I mean, that was me in the background. But what I sold was standard Swiss Swedish massage. And it. I was. I, if I say so myself, I was. You know, I'm a talented therapist. So I got my business. Wrote in three months. I was on more money than I was earning in marketing because I was. I just was very committed. I worked 24 hours a day. I did every single job, and I just worked. And it. And it. It worked. Then what happened was. It was now coasting nicely. I was happy. I got a dog. I was doing something I loved. I really love my work. So I found it energizing. And consequently, I then started to study more. So I then went into reflexology. Then I went to the College of Psychic Studies and developed my psychic abilities, which I knew were there because all that was coming through, but I needed to train. So I did that as well. All the time reading about Chinese medicine, having going to have tea with this, with this lovely teacher. He was so lovely. Um, and just generally kind of developing my skill set. And then at that point, met my husband, um, got married, had children, had a baby, stopped work, worked all the way through to my due date. Then I stopped working at that point because I was literally giving birth. And then I got tired because the whole postpartum thing and having a newborn, I don't, my energy levels are, I have to be very careful. So consequently, I couldn't give into my career whilst giving into my baby and it didn't work. So after a year of full-time motherhood, 
I went, then I went and started studying acupuncture and that was the beginning of the chapter of Chinese medicine unfolding. Now that was nonetheless, at this point, it started to get tough again. It was brilliant, but it was tiring. Um, My mother had terminal cancer, so I was caring for her. I was caring for a baby. I was then trying to get pregnant, having rounds of IVF. So it got tricky again, but nonetheless, I stuck with it because sometimes in life, you've just got to kind of like stick with your North star and go, I am so committed to this. I love this so much. I am prepared to sacrifice. I'm prepared to have my metal tested to prove that I'm worthy of this commitment and passion that I have into what I'm doing. And I wasn't working. I was just studying. I was privileged to be able to, because my husband could support us, that I was lucky. But nonetheless, I was very committed to all these kind of like things that were going on in my life. And I studied and I studied and I studied. And finally, we moved to Somerset, finished studying, opened my acupuncture clinic, did that for a couple of years, and then had this eureka moment again, where I sort of sat there going, well, hang on a minute. Like, I don't want, people would always come to me as an acupuncturist as the last thing. The quote, I've tried everything and my friend says, why don't you try acupuncture? Was pretty much like, you know, five times a day, every day I was in clinic. So I thought, well, hang on, Chinese medicine shouldn't be the last thing. It shouldn't be the last resort, it should be the first thing. Because by this stage, you know, my Yang Sheng techniques are sort of caught up in my clinic. Um, And that was the moment when I sat there and I thought, hang on a minute, how hard can it be to, to just swap it. It's got to do this. It's got to swap over. It's got to be the first, not the last. Um, and that was the big naive moment, which was then another 10 years of slog, which has got me to where I am right now talking to you, which has been 10 years of me honestly telling you how hard can it be to swap it over? And the answer is pretty much impossible. Yeah. If I'd have known how hard it was going to be, there is no in a million years I would have done it. I would have just carried on just having an acupuncture clinic in my back garden. Um, but, you know, I kind of did my usual thing and I jumped in the two feet, like, you know, feet first, straight in, and I was in. So then I just had to keep going. And it was, you know, like, it's been a real labor of love. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there we go. That's the rest of my story up to just now. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> also, what a business from the labor of love. Oh my God, I was mad. Don't do it. Awesome. Oh my God. God, and it has yeah. been horrendous. I will describe <laughs> doing this as falling into a snake pit, and I've been bitten by venomous snakes so many times. My immune system is completely like, but I can feel the fangs. But I'm like, oh, oh, there's yeah. a snake fang. Oh, okay, it's another one. Okay, and um, I lost myself. I I apologize formally to people that have worked for me in the first stages of this career because I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to run people. I'm really good at the giving when I'm a therapist, but in terms of in the masculine energy of how to run a business, absolutely clueless. I have been brought down to the brink of destruction. Uh, I have collapsed and rebirthed myself, not once, not twice, not three times, but about five times, just when the business was was staggering back up again, just not even to make money, by the way, we don't make money, okay? This is just to keep going at all. Income, commercial factors like Russia invades Ukraine, or you've got the Palestine-Israel thing, or, you know, and I'm not sort of making light of, the, of other people's suffering, which is far more important than me just trying to keep this little dream alive. You know, obviously there are global events which are significant in the, in the horrors that they're listening to people, but there's knock-on effects. You know, there was knock-on effects of Brexit and little business owners tend to be the ones that suffer. Now, I'm not saying poor me at all. I'm just standing yeah. there as a woman in business going, you get, as a woman in business, you get two pence in every pound of investment in the world. You should be getting, should be 50 pence in every pound. You don't, you get two pence. And that two pence tends to go to women who are already established as brand names in their own right, because they're either a model or an actress or they're beautiful or they're famous or whatever it is. So your typical woman out there at her kitchen table with a good idea, she, she, uh, 
she's she's doomed before she's even begun. I mean, thank goodness this is starting to shift. But the yeah. narrative that you and I birthed our businesses into was you're going to fail. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. will fail. Yeah. So, And I have. Oh, my God. And the thing is, I didn't set a business up to be a businesswoman. Not at all. I just set a business up because I had an idea and therefore I needed other people to help me implement this idea. And therefore uh, I have to pay them, which means I need money, which means the idea has to make money. And therefore you need all these other things. And then I don't know what I'm doing because we didn't do business studies when I was at school. We did home economics. We didn't do economics, we did home economics. So I can, really, I can do a great lasagna, but I had no idea how to read a spreadsheet. And I was a complete naive idiot. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I messed up over and over and over and over again. Um, and somehow or other, by sheer determination, a little bit of good luck, and just by basically selling absolutely every single thing that I have ever owned in my entire life, I have kept it going yeah. with my integrity intact. But, you know, as I said, I do formally apologize to anybody that I've upset in the first 10 years of this experience. And I do, I am sincerely sorry because it did not show the best of me which I'm hoping now after the last two years of kind of like, you know, iteration number five, version 5.0, we are finally now getting to the point that if you interviewed anyone working within the team, they would go, oh no, it's great, we love it. Um, because it has been absolutely horrendous to get to this point, but I'm, am I proud of myself? Yes. Am I glad that I did it and stuck with it? Yes. Would I have done it if I'd have known? Absolutely no way. And what's happening next? Absolutely no idea. Speaking yeah. to you right now, I don't even know if the business is going to be here in six weeks' time because trading conditions are so tough right now. When you've got brands like Burberry, yeah, like going to the wall, you know, little little businesses run by little old me that doesn't really have a clue what she's doing. She's had to learn as she's gone along by making mistakes, which is how I've learned. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. God, it's good to hear this because like I've been in business for three years now, but also while having like three children. So I'm kind of like way behind where you are in terms of time. But I'm thinking I'm so pleased that someone else feels the same as this because it does feel like, why am I doing this? You have those wins of those client successes. And you think, oh, my God, I love it. But then behind the scenes, no one else sees. No one else sees the behind the scenes. It's literally. Ugh. Oh, it's a slog. <laughs> but in fairness, not wishing and by under under any circumstances, Am I saying poor me? I'm just kind of slightly embellishing the story to make hopefully people laugh and just kind of go, oh my God, I had no idea. But the truth is, is that if you want to do anything in life, okay, it's everything in life is a challenge if it's worth having because it's valuable. And that's why I find watching Wimbledon or, or the Olympics or, you know, or anything like that, or watching Darcy Bustle dance or watching Strictly Come Dancing, the, the marvel of it is is how hard it is. Okay, it is tough. Um, and it does make you go into kind of some kind of inner chamber, as I like to call it. It make it's the making of you. And as long as you can kind of keep your nerve and cry your eyes out and have a glass of wine and moan to a friend and keep going and wake up the next day and go, right, I'm just gonna keep going. Somehow or other, um, Jeffrey Rush, his character in Shakespeare in Love, which is one of my favorite films, I recommend it to everyone. He's he's the theater master, and he says. It's all going to be okay. I don't know how, but it just always is. Yeah. And yeah. he says it. It's true. And I can honestly tell you, I have absolutely no idea how I am still sat here now with a laptop talking to you with my integrity intact just about, although full of apologies to anyone I've upset along the way, um, and going, okay, somehow or other, despite everything, 
logic would not make it make sense as to why I'm still going. And yet I am. So if that's helpful for anyone out there going, okay, well, Katie doesn't really know how she got here. And yet somehow she did. Maybe there's hope for all of us because I am just at the end of the day, you know, a normal woman who was basically the runt of the litter, who somehow or other has navigated herself through pain to get to her truth and to kind of get it there somehow or other by hook or by crook. And, yeah. and I'm still going. So I'll just go day by day. And I have released my ego. I have said to the universe many times, I don't really know why you do make it so difficult. I don't, I like, I you'd, logic would dictate if you're out there serving the universe, that the universe would go, off you go, get it out there. But they don't. It's been quite the opposite. It's been like, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, all right then. I'll just, and I remember saying to the universe like about a year and a half ago, and I don't mind if you keep trying to stop me. I mean, fine. I'm going to do it anyway, because I don't know what else to do. There is nothing else for me to do. I can't just be a mummy and a parent and a wife. if, If I do that, I lose myself in the midst of it. And then I get sad and then I'm not very good at it because I get a bit depressed. And that happened, by the way, I've missed that bit out. But I suffered from depression, which solved because I did this, because my life purpose came through. And so I did say to the universe, you know what, you can keep stopping me if you want. I feel a bit like Dick Whittington, but I don't mind. If you just want me to just get stopped, if that's my life purpose, if I'm here to just get stopped, then fine. I'll just get stopped and I'll just keep going anyway. And weirdly, you'd think that then the universe would unlock and it would all amp out, but it hasn't. And I don't mind. I'm like, all right, then I'll just keep going where I am and I'll just keep plodding away. And I don't mind because it makes me happy. That's it. It Whatever makes it it makes me happy and they can't really hurt me anymore because there's no more pain to feel because I've been through it. I've gone to the, I've gone to the bottom of the barrel and I've come, I've, and as the Dalai Lama says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, it hasn't killed me. I don't know how it hasn't, it should have done, but it hasn't. Um, yeah. And it has made me stronger. It's made me resilient. As I was saying earlier about the TikTok slagging off, I just kind of get, I don't really care. And it's kind of weird that I don't, but I don't because I'm so in tune with what I want to talk about, which is this brilliant positive message of do you know what never mind despite all the shit it's somehow okay I don't know why it just kind of is there's my positive message to anyone out there going I do fully sympathize that life sucks because it really does but life is also beautiful and it just kind of depends on how you want to look at it it's a bit like the laughter and the sobbing it's like both get you to where both release both open both expand oh beautiful what a way to end yeah (laughs) I know it's like it's a script it's not by the way it's a channel yeah (laughs) yeah oh that's been so lovely to speak to you so where can all the listeners find you what's your what's your handles my handles are well my name's Katie Brindle um and I am Katie underscore Brindle on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook uh what else on YouTube um I've got a book called Yang Sheng which um, actually became a number one bestseller and it's still up there as one of the top published books in the world, I'm proud to say, in various different languages, which is quite amazing. Um, So that's still going strong. Um, I teach for free on Instagram at eight o'clock on a Tuesday and a Thursday morning and I do a Saturday self-care session at 10. I always run a bit late. (laughs) You'll get used to me. I'm afraid I just run late. It's just, I was born late and I'm just late. Okay. And it's, there we go. So it's always kind of there or thereabouts. Um, And somehow the show goes on and it's all just about, okay. Um, And that's kind of me. Okay. Amazing. Well, I want to come to one of your freebies and I know I'm going to recommend to also come to one of your freebies. Oh, thank you. They are a lot, they're a lot of fun and they go up on the grid. So if you can't make eight o'clock, they go up there, they're free. There's various, you know, there's a free email as well. Do sign up for that because that gives you loads more free content. There's loads of masterclasses and fact sheets on the website. You know, I try and offer 
as much free stuff as I possibly, possibly can. I'm fully aware that we're in a very difficult financial state at the moment. People need help as much as they possibly can. And obviously there is a paid level because I have to pay my team. Otherwise, you know, stuff doesn't happen. But, you know, we try and kind of front load it as much as we possibly can to help people. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Katie. Oh, God bless. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to speak. And you. Bye. Bye.